0: Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Conner. On today's show, I completely geek out and i'll tell you why in just a second first off if you're brand new to this i thank you for coming to this show and checking it out i hope you stay tuned in it's a show all about how some of the most interesting or exciting brands out there today are mobilizing their masses to become more authentic and sometimes we get to talk with the heads of sporting organizations and that is today's show we are on with nascar and their chief marketing officer Jill Gregory. Now, the reason why I geeked out completely over this is because I've been a fan of NASCAR since as early as I can remember in my life. And so it was so interesting to be able to talk to somebody who is shepherding the brand forward that I love so dearly, especially a sport which is so deeply, not only digitally connected to its fans, but offers a level of access to fans that I don't believe exists in any other sport. And we'll explain why with some analogies On the show. But also importantly, the reason why this was such a good conversation to have is given its recent importance culturally. Specifically, last week, NASCAR banned the Confederate flag at its tracks and has taken a strong stance against injustice and against racism in an effort to make the sport more inclusive for fans going forward. Now this is a particularly progressive step for NASCAR and has been met widely positively but of course there are always dissenters and we talk about that a little bit as well. But overall, I thought this was a great show, again, because I'm a fan, but also hopefully it gives you an insight as to how NASCAR works, even if you're not a fan. Hey, maybe this will even entice you to watch a race or head to the track. I can guarantee you it's a pretty crazy experience. But for now, the experience you'll have is through your ears and through the voice of today's podcast guest from NASCAR, Jill Gregory. All right, everybody. I don't know uh, if you're a fan of the sport featured today or not, but you should know at the very top that this is probably the favorite interview that I've ever gotten to do. This is uh, a conversation with Jill Gregory from NASCAR. Jill, thank you so much for joining the show today. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, Adam. Thanks for having me.
0: It's a pleasure to have you. I have been a fan of this sport since absolute childhood, one my the earliest memories, I think, the first like a lot of kids know that when they were growing up, they probably had like Disney VHS tapes or something like that, sing-alongs and songs and all that stuff. Literally, my favorite thing was a VHS, which was put out in I guess you know, ninety three or ninety four, uh, just called The NASCAR Story. I think Alan Bestwick uh, narrated it, and it was just about like the sport. And for whatever, and I was it was very strange to my folks, but that's it. It runs deep, and. Um, wow. I've, I've had the experience to take people to their first race over the years. And that's been awesome too. What was, what was your first experience with, with NASCAR?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I had the, uh, the NASCAR story, um, but I do know Alan and I know he's a very well-known voice of our sport uh, for many years. So um, my first experience, um, I grew, grew up in Northern California, so we didn't have quite as many races Uh, nearby as you might have had uh, growing up, but I had cousins that were involved in racing at the local short track um, in our neighborhood or kind of down the street from from our house, not too far, a few miles away, and they loved going to the track. I was um, not a huge NASCAR fan, admittedly, um, as they were, but they took me to my first race, um, kind of at our local track, 99 Speedway, and then my first cup race was in Sonoma. Um, and now they look at me and say, wow, she actually works in the sport. Look at how things have changed. So, um, it's been pretty cool and, you know, I love it. Um, it's been an amazing journey.
0: I've taken my uh, significant other now to, to one race so far. Um, but the first one she wanted to go to and the one that she still wants to go to is of course Sonoma. Because that's wine country. She wants to get a little bit of me and a little bit of her <laughs> for, that, for that trip. That's a smart lady.
1: And we will see you there. It was really, um, it, it hurt me deeply when we had to announce that we weren't racing there this year. So uh, I think we'll have a lot of pent-up enthusiasm for Sonoma 2021.
0: Yeah, I think so. Those, the, you know, the passion for the for the road course and the short track, especially over the last few years, I think has has grown. And uh, and, and listeners, if we get a little bit too in the weeds here, I, I'm going to apologize it up front because this is from a lifelong fan to the person who's leading the brand. And you know, within it, I'm going to I'm going to try to back up and be as high level as I can because at the end of the day, much like the other brands, uh, this is one uh, of a conversation of many where we talk about how to mobilize the masses. In this case race fans. So I, I want to start with that experience of becoming a fan because it was mine from birth. But from others, it's the first time they go to a race. I had the privilege of doing that last year with uh my significant other sister. It was a birthday that she was having. She's in Manhattan, 20 of her friends, they all ship out to the Poconos and they stayed in a little like a cabin or whatever and then we, we took one to the race and everybody was like blown away. They had just they had a blast. And from that moment either with that group or people that I've taken before, it seems that all it takes is that one race, that multi-sensory experience, just the just the energy, the volume uh, that leads to uh, somebody who gets hooked and somebody who's connected. But it's not only that. I- I'd like you to comment first on just the lengths that NASCAR has gone to, has gone to, to open up access to the fans, to things on the track, things off the track, which has led to, I think, a particularly engaged fan base over the years.
1: Yeah, you know, you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, when we get a fan out um, for their first race, and we're able to showcase, you know, a live NASCAR experience, it's sensory overload, it's the sights, it's the scale, how large the track facility is, You know, the sounds of the smell of gasoline and tires. Um, It's an event. It's not just a race. The race is very important. Um, But you're also in the midst of this huge community, whether that is the other fans that you're with, um, kind of enjoying the experience at the same time. It's the access to the drivers. Um, You know, fans can walk right up on the racetrack before we go racing onto the field of play, quote, unquote. They can go into the garage and see the equipment, um, the cars, in our case, being prepared you know, two minutes or two hours before they go into kind of one of our biggest events. Um, they can see pit stops like, you know, inches away from these crew guys jumping over the wall and doing, you know, these unbelievably fast pit stops. And you can see the athletes, the, the stars of our sport, walking through the garage, walking to their cars, going to driver you know, Our fans are involved in our field of play. And I think that's just something that when you go out there, you hear about it, you don't maybe know a not a lot about NASCAR or in your case or your sister's case, your friends are going out to enjoy an experience. And then you kind of feel part of something when you're there for the day. And we wanna get as many fans out to the live race experience because we know once they're out there, they're hooked and they wanna bring more fans. And then they're also following us and following their favorite driver when they can't make it out to the racetrack. So that live event experience for us is like no other.
0: Absolutely. And we're going to talk about the uh, not in-person experiences in just a second, because that's been very important recently. But for listeners who uh, can't quite grasp the concept of what, I, of what we're talking about when we're talking about access, let me go back to the first interview that we did on this show with, with, with somebody, with a CMO. It was the CMO of the Boston Red Sox. And for him, similar to NASCAR, the pinnacle experience was getting to Fenway Park. Being in that stadium and watching the Red Sox play in person was the top of the top in terms of experiences. It's worth noting, by the way, that Roush Fenway is uh, part of that broader organization which the Boston Red Sox are also a part of. But if you're a baseball fan, imagine being able to not only get to the stadium, but before the game starts, you know, 30 minutes before the game starts, five minutes before the game starts, just walking around the field, walking around the bases, going into the dugout, saying hello to the players that are about to go, going back into the locker rooms and seeing everything get prepared, uh, going into uh, the, the the executive offices and seeing every inner working. That's what I mean and what we mean when we talk about access to this sport. And you just, you, you, you can't, you don't really get that anywhere. Now that's on premise. If we talk about the digital connections. This has become more important for every sport recently and especially NASCAR to do so. As the first sport to officially make a return given this pandemic, uh, of course that has been done very carefully and it started with a series of virtual races and also heavy investment into digital connectivity and tools. Uh, Jill, if you could uh, help us out by explaining some of the ways that digital innovation has been required for this brand as COVID has impacted racing.
1: Yeah, thanks, Adam. Another great question. I think that, you know, as you mentioned, you know, so smartly, every brand has had to kind of recast their offering to their customers, um, whether it's us as a sports league or, you know, every product is being delivered differently. Um and and we were no different i think the really the beneficial part for us is that we already believe we had one of the most innovative and immersive digital experiences in sports so through our kind of our portfolio of apps and what was available through nascar.com we could make a fan who couldn't make it to the track who was viewing at home or even on the go be able to access many of the great things that you could do if you were at the track. You could be as close to the racing action as if you were there. And those are through products like, you know, a NASCAR drive product. These are in-car cameras with multiple angles. So if you wanted to pick Clint Boyer and understand, hey, this is what Clint is seeing. This is what's the camera footage that's coming off the back of his car. This is what the drivers behind him are seeing. You know, it gives you the real sense and feeling of, what that driver is seeing and feeling in the car going 200 miles an hour. We have kind of a live scanner product and scanners for those um, kind of NASCAR newbies that might be on the call. You know, the driver is constantly talking to a couple of people during the race. He's talking to his crew chief, who is the head coach, if you will. And he's talking to a spotter, which is someone who is kind of perched high above the track that can see everything and provide some, kind of insight and um, kind of eyes in the sky, if you will, to the drivers. So they're, they're driving through what they can see through the car. They're also getting a ton of input. And all of that is really dynamic content for a fan, either a core fan who really wants to know the strategy of a race or how it's going, but also for a new fan that's trying to figure out what's going on that scanner product and it gets a little colorful at times. So, I'm going to warn you know, for those of you bringing kids and watching at home, there's some passion and some emotion with these guys are passing each other at 200 miles an hour. But that's live chatter that's happening, um, you know, as the race is going on. We've got fantasy products where you can, you know, kind of get in the game, if you will. And during the race, you can make bets and fantasy picks during the race, swap drivers in and out, another fan engagement tool for us. We've added some augmented reality experiences uh, to our NASCAR app so that you can put yourself in the driver's seat, so to speak, and kind of see, again, what the drivers see through their eyes. We've always been really good at providing live data off the car. So for those stats geeks and the folks that want to know lap times and, point, and uh, lead differentials and, and all of those types of things, live data is coming off the car and we're delivering it to the fans, packaging it up, so you kind of know what's happening. And then the last thing I would say, Adam, is that iRacing, which is you know our eSports product, um, we jumped on the iRacing opportunity. We already had a very robust partnership in eSports with iRacing, which is kind of our simulated race product. And there are a ton of really talented iRacers out there. They raced in the Coca-Cola uh, racing series prior to the pandemic. Uh, but what we did while our drivers were not racing physically at the racetrack, we got almost all of our top name drivers to participate in what we called um, the the iRacing Pro Invitational Series, and they raced each other at the track we were supposed to be racing at. So, uh, call that Texas or um, Miami. Um, And they raced each other virtually, and we did all of the things that you would see at a a physical race virtually. A national anthem done by top-named singers, we did the invocation, we had a gentleman start your engines and driver start your engines command done virtually. So we really leaned into the virtual racing experience to keep our fans engaged and kind of involved with us while we weren't racing on the track
0: and that was a particularly interesting for a for a fan to watch and and listeners the reason why is because maybe unlike a different uh sporting organization and the translatability of it to a uh, a computerized uh, dimension uh, it's it's actually quite uh realistic it's it's incredibly realistic and speaking of that i racing yeah i i had i have my gaming steering wheel sitting around here i've been i've been a I've been a user of that game for like eight years too, so I, I yeah, I have. Uh, it was really cool to see like the real people do it, just as I like fumble around on my own to do it. So again, the access and the relatability is very, very right. interesting. Now, similar to the way in which you may have uh, referenced, drivers and teams can get super passionate about what's going on on the track. So, too, do the fans. And I've seen this firsthand. It's not too hard to see secondhand and thirdhand digitally across social and things like that. I certainly know that NASCAR as a brand has taken advantage of it, but I want to hear it directly from you. Some of the ways in which fans are mobilized in that way to tell the NASCAR story, so to speak, uh, through their own mouthpiece. How they are used directly as part of NASCAR's messaging. I know that there are a couple of ways in which this happens, but I want to leave it to you because, you know... I'm interviewing you, not the other way. I'm sure I could do a part of this, but I, I, I want to hear it straight from, from you as to how the fans are mobilized and, and how they become part of the content too.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that one of the, the biggest, I guess, competitive advantages we have as a sport is kind of the passion of our fan base. And I know every sport says that. I know you've had some of my colleagues um, on the podcast who I love. I think you've had Heidi Browning on and you know, yep. we all have a, really great passion for our sport. And I think one of the similarities we have is we all believe that our fans are the most passionate. Um, But I think we really, NASCAR really does. I mean, our fans don't tailgate for a couple of hours. They tailgate for a couple of days. (laughs) Go out to the race. One of the things you're struck by is, you know, you might have a family of four and all four family members have a T-shirt on from another driver and they're all hanging out together and kind of, you know, rooting for their favorite driver, the commitment um, and the passion and the love for our drivers um, that our fans have is is second to none. So, you know, we know that storytelling, second to getting someone out to a race, which is kind of the first, you know, uh, way that we engage our fans, is the story of the drivers and the fans' connection to our stars because you want to know what makes the driver tick. Why is one driver, why is Kyle Busch seeing as the black hat and competitive. And why is Jimmy Johnson, you know, the seven time champ and how has he gotten there and and what's the backstory? Um, That storytelling is so huge for us, but we found that our fans tell that story um, just as good, if not better than we do. So a couple of the ways that we have really brought that to life, um, one is a series that we did um, around the Darlington race, around our return to racing um, and it was called 100,000 Cameras. And we basically recreated race day through the eyes of our fans. So we collected user-generated content from fans across the country. How were they enjoying the race? Were they home? Were they doing a tailgate? We had guys you know, and their kids out racing cars in the front yard. We had guys kind of doing, setting up their tailgate in their own backyard in front of their TV like they were at the track. It was all fan sourced content, and we just asked them to share with us their race experience and how they enjoyed it. And honestly, the content wrote itself. I mean, we didn't have to do really any of the storyline editing or something that you would normally do in a campaign. We just collected the footage, and the driver or the fans told their own story. And, you know, I was telling this um, to my staff meeting uh, the week after the 100,000 cameras came out. It's like, if you Ever need an example of what the fans, their investment in our sport, and how they care about our sport? Just show this documentary because it was so well done, and it was done not because NASCAR said to do it, or it was a script, or it was you know kind of a message. It was told directly from the fans and their passion point, and I think that's what made it so impactful. Um, the last thing I would say on that is that fans aren't just kind of the the day-to-day, you know, our neighbors, our friends, our folks from across the street, we have very influential celebrities and other sports figures that love our sport, too, and we bring those folks, influencers, out to the track, and then when they tell the story of their experience at the track, um, that's a whole nother kind of voice that we are able to hear, and, you know, the uniform, I guess, messages. Any time anyone comes to the track, whether it's kind of a fan that's been there for 40 years or someone for their first race or a YouTube influencer, you can see the excitement and the enthusiasm of their experience come through. And we let that tell the story for us.
0: And what better way to be authentic than to do that? Um, And uh, folks, if if you are interested in following the sport, obviously go to a race once we are able to do so, though I know that's right around the corner. Um, something like the one hundred thousand cameras initiative is and, and series is um, really interesting because it brings it quite literally right home to you, uh, and, and it gives you a taste of what it's like to be to be a fan um, and, and and what it's like to experience the sport. Being a fan and experiencing the sport is, uh, is where I, I got to go next um, because what it has uh, meant or the perceptions associated with being a NASCAR fan, I think, and this is coming from a fan's perspective, has changed a lot over the last, mm, well, I mean, 50, 60 years, I guess, but especially within the last year or two, most significantly probably within the last week or two. I know with the recent civil unrest, there has been a need for brands and sports alike to stand up and take a stance on what matters. And most recently, uh, you and NASCAR made one of the biggest stances of all uh, by banning the Confederate flag at uh, the racetrack and and rejecting that as a symbol uh, and and rejecting its association with, with NASCAR and its fan base. I'm curious to hear from you, uh, since this is a relatively new development, uh, to to the extent to which you know, NASCAR will continue to stand up for these sorts of, of principles. Um, and, and I, want, I want to hear about leaning into Bubba Wallace, which you can explain for us, and also what you see for the future of the values that NASCAR will stand up for.
1: Yeah, this is a topic that I, I welcome talking to you about, Adam. I think that, you know, as you mentioned, the... Um, the events of the last day or, or a couple of days, uh, coupled with even what we did um, at the Atlanta race uh, this past Sunday, um, you know, there's really been kind of a series of statements, um, both you know, literal statements, but just, you know, proclamations that we've made about where NASCAR is on, you know, the topic of, of social justice and, and racial injustice. And you know, I'll start with the most recent statement, which was yesterday, uh, timing is everything uh, for our podcast here. But, um, you know, yesterday after, um, you know, a lot of conversation that had not just happened with Bubba Wallace, but certainly Bubba Wallace, our uh, only African-American driver uh, that is full-time in, in our top series, um, you know, he has been speaking up and make, made his voice heard. And, and as we, as a country, we're dealing with the George Floyd situation and peaceful protests and all of this unrest across the country. Um, it was clear that we needed to do something, that sports could be a platform, you know, to showcase and to share our voice. You know, you heard a lot of uh, comments over um, the last few weeks about the, the danger or the um, the, knee, the danger in remaining silent and not saying anything. And I think that was a shift for us, to be honest. I think for many years, I think like a lot of other sports, um, you know, we would say that, you know, we want to, sports is an escape and it's not a place to, you know, bring, you know, different social and political topics into the mix. And, you know, we should kind of stick to sports. And I think that it was very clear to us and many others that we had a platform um, to talk about, change that we felt that we needed to make, that people had identified that we needed to make and our, our drivers needed to make. So what you saw last Sunday um, was you know, a start of that. So to start the race, as I mentioned before, you know, we have um, you know, the national anthem and an invocation and, and really a lot of ceremonial high visibility activities that kick off our racing. And we felt it was very important to send the right message. Our president, Steve Phelps, got onto the radio, which is how we talked to our drivers, and talked about the importance of doing better and listening more. Uh, so we had a moment of listening. We brought all of the, tra- of the cars um, down onto the front stretch and stopped them uh, for a moment of listening to showcase our intent and our commitment to listen to the issues of the day, to be committed to um do more in the areas of, of racial injustice and social justice and you know to make our platform a place where we could push forward some meaningful change. And so that was an important step. Our drivers also contributed to that. They all got together and kind of with our help, recorded um, a video. It's a little raw and bootleg uh, kind of in, in look and feel because they you know they're all at home and they're, Um, you know, sheltering and staying at home. And so they're recorded their heartfelt message of support for the time that our country is going in. So the driver video was a part of that. Um, And that was all a really good start. But, you know, it all led to the question of the presence of the Confederate flag at our events and how divisive of a symbol that that is uh, to many in our country. And the fact that you know, there was anyone that wanted to come to a NASCAR race but felt uncomfortable doing so because of the presence of that symbol. That was not acceptable for us, um, and we needed to make a change. So we came out with a statement. We want, we want NASCAR to be inclusive and welcoming to fans, no matter who you are, where you are, and if there was something that we were doing and allowing at our tracks and our events that was making. A fan want to not come to a race, then we needed to fix that. And our sport should be about bringing communities together, not tearing people apart. And so that statement yesterday around the Confederate flag was a definitive statement that we wanted to make. Um, we know we have you know a lot of programs and initiatives to build from this por- from this point. We're going to work side by side with our drivers, our partners, to create meaningful change. But that statement about the flag and its presence at our events was a crucial next step in making sure that we were seen as committed to, you know, driving change. And until we made that statement yesterday, I believe it would have been hard for us to, to build some of that change.
0: Well, it has to come from the top and, and hopefully uh, similar progress comes uh, from, from us, the fans. And, and to that, what do you hope to see from the fan base with regards to acceptance of progress and change going forward from here? My guess is that many are right alongside you, though there is that sect of fans that brought the flag along and that are deeply rooted in principles, which I would say the majority today are otherwise not. What do you hope to see from the fan base as a as a sim as a signal of maturity and growing going forward?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that we have been overwhelmed with positive support. I think, you know, if you've got a a strong stomach and and some time to kill, you can go look at the comments, even on our social media posts. But, you know, look, we went into this eyes wide open. You know, we know um, that any decision we make, um, you know, our fans are very vocal and and they're going to let us know where they stand. On this one in particular... Uh, We knew it was going to come with some, you know, making some fans unhappy. But I will say, even monitoring this since our statement yesterday, you know, overwhelmingly supportive and fans almost talking to each other about the issue and why it makes folks uncomfortable. And you know what, Adam, are we going to have a vocal minority that are going to say that this changes how they want to view a race or they want to come to a race and you know that this isn't what they want from NASCAR but we went into that eyes wide open you know we knew that some fans would be upset we were not trying to upset any fans but we were doing what we felt was right the most amount of fans to experience our great sport and if it's removing you know a symbol of hate that makes some segment of our fan base feel uncomfortable That was important to us, and we are gonna work hard to bring all of those fans back to grow our fans. Um, but we're gonna do it in a way that is doesn't create you know a situation where fans are uneasy or unwilling to be at our events because of of a perceived um you know environment that they're gonna be in. So I think our fans have been really, really positive and it's been refreshing to see the dialogue. But we're going to continue to have to have that conversation. And there's going to be some fans that are unhappy. We know we did the right thing and we're going to, you know, continue to grow. And again, I can't stress enough. Our intent is, and Bubba Wallace was on the Today Show this morning. If you haven't seen the clip, it, it's a really good one. It's like, I want everyone to come and see the passion of our sport. It's nonstop action from the time the green flag drops until the checkered flag flopped, dropped why would we want to prevent anyone from coming and enjoying that? And so, you know, if that's the message we can get out, we're going to, you know, we have to be one fan at a time and that's okay. Um, But we're committed to it and we think it's the right thing.
0: And I've seen that positive response as well, by the way, to listeners. This is from a fan who also looks at those Twitter comments and sees the divisive opinions and reactions (laughs) and all that stuff, but um, well said as to the to the doing it one fan at a time. I want to talk about something which involves a few fans at a time, and that is what's next for the sport. And as the world creeps out of uh, what we, at least is the first and hopefully uh, largest wave of COVID-19, so too is NASCAR uh, continuing to lead the charge in the sporting world uh, for getting back to uh, how things were. And I know that that partially means reopening the tracks to fans, but I want to know it directly from you, what's what's next for NASCAR either for the remainder of this season or, or going forward?
1: Yeah, it's been an interesting journey this year. I think that, um, you know, if you, I'm sure that there will be many folks that do business cases and case studies on how various companies you know, made it through the pandemic. But, you know, from the time that we stopped racing, which was March 13th, um, there's been a group of people here that have done nothing but think about what happens when we can go back to racing. And part of that was what we're doing today, which is getting um, the cars and the drivers back on the track without fans. Obviously not what we would have ever envisioned or would want, but physically having competition and live competition on television so fans at home could watch and enjoy, You know, that was step one. And, and that came with a lot of planning a lot of uh, requirements from state and local health officials I think we've talked to more governors and you know chief of staffs and chiefs of staff um, you know health commissioners you name it you know in order to get back racing and we've done that we started doing that on May 17th Um, so I have several races under our belt and now that you know things you know, across the country and across um, the nation seem to be stabilizing. Um, You know, we can see that fans want that experience back. They want to enjoy themselves at a sporting event, specifically a NASCAR race. So, you know, we know we have to be very deliberate about bringing fans back. It's not going to be the experience um, that it was when we left our last race in Phoenix. Um, but we are going to start testing protocols um, and a very limited amount of fans over you know, the next several weeks to do it the right way, do it safely, and then kind of continue to grow um, as we go through the summer and the fall, as I think a lot of our sports brethren are doing. So this weekend, we're, we're racing in the Dixie Vodka 400 in Miami. Um, we are bringing a small group of military members from a local Air Force base, about a thousand fans. Um, we're calling them guests because they aren't ticketed. You know, they didn't pay for a ticket. Um, they are our invited guests. So we can test all the social distancing protocols that you see in the grocery store, and the restaurants. You know, how does that look at a racetrack? We need to test our way into that. So you'll have social distancing. You'll have the you know, requirement to bring a mask, you know, you can usually bring a cooler into a NASCAR race. We won't be doing that. You won't have all of the bells and whistles of a traditional NASCAR race, but you will be able to see live racing action, you know, amongst with some of your friends. So we take about a thousand fans this weekend. Uh, we will test that. The following weekend, we go to Talladega, Alabama, which for again, any NASCAR newbies is our largest facility. Uh, We're going to increase the number of fans uh, that we bring into that facility uh, to 5,000. Again, testing the protocols. How do we get them into the facility, out of the facility, um, kind of maintain all of the distancing that we need, um, kind of explain to them what the new experience is going to be. We'll probably also test a limited amount of camping if, if all things go well further into the summer. You know, camping is sounds like a, an activity that a lot of Americans are going to be looking into as a way to kind of get out and enjoy life this summer. We have huge facilities that uh, lend themselves well to that type of, of activity. And, oh, by the way, there'll be a race going on. And um, so we are going to test our way into it the same way that we tested our way into going back to racing. Uh, but our fans are telling us they want to come back. They know they're going to have to do things a little bit differently, just like they're doing in their regular lives. So. I think that as we kind of test these protocols and are able to get more and more key learnings, we'll be on track to get fans. I don't know that we'll be 100% in any sporting event by the now, between now and the end of the year, but there will be a new normal where you will have uh, more gatherings and more opportunity for fans to enjoy the thrill of sport because that's the business we're in and we're excited to get fans back into the facilities.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited for that too. Uh, <laughs> uh, can't wait to can't wait to get back to a uh, to a track and glad that you all are uh, leading the charge in doing so in a in a smart uh, tested way. Um, if I could round out our conversation today with a question, who uh, which is common to everybody that I have on this show, listeners, you know it well. It is essentially a question about advice on to how to build more authentic brands. I think especially important now, especially for those brands who have taken strong stances. On social justice issues, but basically, given your uh, given your background, given your tenure now at NASCAR, given uh, your championing of a, of a sport with fans from all over the place, the importance that has been registered in building direct connections with them, both physically and digitally. Whether it comes as in the form of advice from a mentor or a particular standout story, I'm, I'm curious from you as to what your tips might be to our listeners who generally look to emulate the journeys of the guests who appear on this show. Advice on how to build that more authentic brand or more authentic relationships with their consumers or fans or masses generally.
1: Yeah, I think that you know it's um, it's the challenge that we all have as brands, right? You want to. Um, appeal. You have core brand um, attributes that, you know, there's a reason why people follow NASCAR. There's a reason why you buy a certain brand of of laundry detergent or you shop at a certain store. You know, there's a connection that you have or a trust. Um, And I would say that the trust is, is a key component for us is you really evaluate everything that you're doing. And, you know, does it reward the trust that your fans have put into your Um, to your product for us, NASCAR? Are we going to deliver what that fan expects? Are we going to be true to what they expect out of us? And you have to do that. The tricky part is, you know, making sure that you're also modernizing what your product is, Um, maintaining all the things that a fan loves about a brand for NASCAR, But doing it in a way that makes your brand appealing and relevant and modern to, you know, a whole new set of consumers, you know, you've got to be able to grow your brand over time. And I think what we try to look at is, you know, making sure we're challenging ourselves to put forth the NASCAR brand and all of that authenticity and heritage and um, tradition, but do it in a way that makes that appealing and Exciting to a whole new set of fans because you know whether it's about the flag issue that we talked about or or the storytelling or the fan experience, all of that is just really grounded in a, a universal truth of that the excitement and the passion of NASCAR is for everyone, and you should come enjoy it because you're going to get something that resonates with um, with you your with the fans. So I think it's just maintaining that core connection to the the essence of your brand and delivering it in new and different ways so more fans can experience it and you can continue to grow.
0: Well I thank you for that, for that insight and advice and uh, and for telling us this story and 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 sharing not only the ways in which NASCAR is mobilizing its fans and using them as a central piece of the story, uh, but also to share a little bit about uh, the recent stances that NASCAR has taken, I think incredible progress for the sport, uh, something that is necessary, undoubtedly extremely positive. So from a fan who just sits and watches most of the time every week, uh, thank you for that. And for the host of the show, uh, I really appreciate your brand perspective here. And uh, what else can I say? Jill, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Oh, I've really enjoyed it, Adam. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much to Jill Gregory from NASCAR for joining the show today. Thank you for standing up for the issues that matter. I think that your fans thank you more than just me. Uh, I think your partners thank you. And I think it's the correct way forward. And, And hopefully going to the track is the next way forward. Can't wait to do it again. If you enjoyed this show, here's some things you can do to stay tuned in. We have these conversations a lot, roughly three times a week, and we've done over a hundred of them. You can find all those episodes on podcast.vivoom.co. It's our content hub. And if you're interested in learning more and listening to my voice more, well, you can do so for hours and hours on end. You can also go to LinkedIn, where we have a showcase page, Authentic Influence Podcast. It's where all of these shows live, as well as other clips and tidbits and press and even video content as well that's coming, that's on the way. So also, while you're there, you might as well connect with me personally, Adam Connor. Connect. Recommend somebody to me. Let me know who I should be talking with next or what I should do with the show, and I'll do my best to bring that to you. I'll be back again real soon with another fantastic story about how a brand is mobilizing its masses and becoming more authentic each and every day. And until then, for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.